1: Knights versus Knots in the 2023 spring game, and we only have to wait about two and a half months to get it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, a quick word from Bet Online, guys. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC slash MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag today, or join your using your mobile device to join and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So yeah, we still don't have a schedule. That's you know. That's been what we've been talking about the last couple weeks on Charge On. Uh, but first, let's. This is the first time in a while. Per, I, I feel like we have one of these episodes every I don't know month, boys, where we get all of us on a show. So it, it's really great. Um, it's Wednesday. It's ten fifty. So you know, a little tired. We we you know, Nick's Nick's a busy man. Rob's busy. Uh, but Rob, how are you doing? Uh, you're the reason we're recording this late. Uh, per usual, it seems like so. How are you doing tonight? Um, and, you know, how was the news that uh, of the spring game? How did you take that? Hey, you know what,
2: Sean? I'm doing great. At least I'm here. You know, that's, that's what counts at the end of the day, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for uh, the spring game. I think we all kind of agreed that this is actually a really good idea that they're doing for the spring game this year. Knights versus Knots. I mean, come on, that just that. That title right there is is great. I mean, that's just a genius idea. I'm shocked they haven't done it before. Um, but I think it's kind of what you're seeing over the last kind of couple years that UCF's been adopting the Citronauts and really embracing it and saying, "Hey, it is a storied part of our history, um, our school history." You know, as far as colleges go, it's a young college. You know, only about 50 years old, but the Citronaut you know, is a a cool logo and it's all, it's a retro logo. And now they're really taking it into the 21st century and just kind of embracing it and making it look cool. I mean, I think so many UCF fans look forward to the space games every year and just seeing what crazy uniform UCF comes out for the space game every year. So having it in the spring game, you know, maybe potentially announcing what the space game Jersey is going to look like early this year. Um, uh, You know, at the very least, just getting more, citronaut uh themed um games out there and just themed uh you know just having the team just embrace that i think is really cool for the brand i mean it's 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 a very storied part of this uh team now over the last few years is just how much they've embraced the citronaut um you know iconism
1: yeah nicely put uh and nick i mean we haven't had nick on for a couple weeks he was very busy with uh, Tampa Bay sports sucking. Uh, so he was a little busy, you know, having to talk about that. But we finally got him on an episode uh, after a couple week hiatus. Nick, um, I want to apologize. RIP to the Buccaneers. RIP to Tom Brady's tenure, um, first of all. And uh, how are you doing? And are you excited uh, for the spring game coming up? In
0: well, I mean, first, first of all, I, please don't please don't mention Tom Brady on this podcast. I've had enough Tom Brady talk uh, much like last year 40 days of hell of speculating about Tom Brady's whereabouts before he unretired and came back It feels like we're doing it again uh, so I'm a little burnt out on that so yes some UCF talk is actually a nice refresher uh, the spring game well you know how I feel about the Citronauts. you know how I feel about the Citronauts. I am definitely one of those people where if you wanted to go back to being the UCF Citronauts and go black and and Cape Canaveral blue, uh, I'm on board. I'm on board. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. Uh, I know we have some intriguing quarterbacks that we want to see in this spring game, because I think, as I mentioned last time I was on, which feels like an eternity ago, and I know y'all have probably touched on it to the last few episodes uh, that quarterback competition is still wide open in my opinion. And I think Deep down, Gus Malzahn believes that, and he'll have an open mind as we go into this new journey in the Big 12. So that's my new. That's my big takeaway. Uh, I saw a lot of people also complaining. Uh, shocker, uh, UCF fan complaining about the game being on uh, a Friday. Uh, apparently, that we we can only play on Saturdays. A lot of people are upset about the Friday. Uh, I don't get it. I like Friday night under the lights. Who who the hell wants to go to a noon? Or three o'clock spring game on a Saturday in April when we can do it at six thirty in the twilight. I mean, I don't get the logic, but I saw people complaining about that. Uh, yeah, get over it. So I do like the I do like the new time.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know it was on a Friday until you just said that. I looked up. I'm like that. Even I, in my opinion, that makes it even better. I mean, don't have to. You get your Saturday night the next day. You have no work. There should be no excuses. Six thirty on a Friday night. Under the lights, nights yeah. versus that Knots. That Canaveral blue I is going to be shining off that stadium in the, in the twilight. Come on now. See, so that's that is my first question. All right, before we get into like the quarterbacks, right? Do we think the the one thing that I'm I I just want, even though my expectations, I need to take down to a two percent because I don't think it's happening. Like, is there a possibility we get like some new unis that like? just are for the spring game like that could potentially be worn at another time but like now they could just bring out a helmet and wear like last year's spring game unis which makes more sense so like i'm getting ahead of myself but I, now maybe i'm being what's the word oh, i can't even think about it right now when i just want 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 give me give me give me but you know it's like take what i can get that's kind of how i'm feeling uh, where I'm, I'm probably just going to get a helmet, but I want, I want a whole get-up. I mean, like Nick said, I think we're all aware that next season we're we'll probably getting all navy blue or that all you know citronate blue jersey. I'm all like, we all kind of agree that's probably what next year's jersey is. Why not just throw it out there for the spring game? I mean, I think that's a that'd be a pretty great thing to do, um, and that would get. You know, Twitter buzzing because you have to. UCF has kind of stolen Twitter the last two spring games, so how are you going to steal Twitter mm-hmm. this time? They kind of already done it, but you know, what would hurt uh, to introduce some new jerseys? Even though I know it's probably not going to happen. With that being said, I think yeah, I think it's really exciting the way they announced it. Six thirty Friday night Knights versus knots. I think it's a real, it's a great idea. Uh, Rob said whoever came up with it needs a bonus, and I agree. Uh, I think. It might be the most packed spring game. The spring game hasn't been very packed the last however many years. Uh, And I think going into the Big 12, getting people to come out to take technically your first game uh, going into the Big 12 is a huge deal. But Nick brought it up and we're going to talk about it because it's really, if we're being honest, there's a couple other question marks like our running backs and, you know, who's going to step out to be wide receiver three. But the quarterback is is the big question going into spring. Spring ball starts in a month and a half or so, so we've got time. John Rice is starting baseball. He was at the UCF game uh, last night uh, with the baseball team, throwing t-shirts uh, into the crowd, but he's not going to be at spring ball. So you have a new OC, right? And your quarterback's not going to be there. Your starter's not going to be there. So I'll be honest, Nick, I've been seeing a lot of love, a lot of love for USF's former quarterback, Timmy McClain. And I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, if you know, I think Thomas Castellanos, we can all agree, there's something there. You got to figure that out. You got to work on it. Henshaw probably is excited about the prospect of Thomas Castellanos, but McLean has a full season under his belt. He's worked the scout team the entire year. He, I think, he's impressed in the time that he did play uh, with USF. I think it's an open QB competition and you can even throw Dylan risk in there. I mean, like, yes, he's a freshman, but with a new OC new system, clearly he's going to bring some new ideas. Anybody's on the table, but kind of give your thoughts on the overall quarterback competition. And ultimately in spring, who you think could potentially just take that leap and take it further.
0: Yeah. I I think barring risk doing something uh, fantastic and marvelous during the spring game and during camp and getting in, I, I, Probably will lean towards to say he virtually has no shot to be that guy. Uh, I mean, you look at Thomas Castellanos. I think we would all agree came in with a little bit more cachet uh, than than Risk has come in with, and even he had trouble getting a playing time this season. So, uh, but it is still wide open. You mentioned Timmy McClain I mean, I, I've been, I'm on the Timmy McLean fan club. Uh, maybe it's because I saw a full year here in my backyard in Tampa, and I came away very impressed with him in a bad situation. I know you look at the numbers. He had more turnovers than he had touchdowns. But, folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, USF was a very, very bad football team. Okay? Emphasis on very bad. Okay? Not much he was working with. And I, I still thought he battled his butt off. And I think he comes in here, he definitely fits the Gus profile of what, he, of what Gus is looking for. But, obviously, with Darren Hinshaw in here, if he's going to call plays, if he has his own ideas of his own traits of what he wants to be a quarterback, maybe that that changes a little bit. But I definitely think that this is a big opportunity for Timmy McClain to kind of uh, step out a little bit and assert himself as the leader in the clubhouse.
1: Rob, I think it's interesting, right, because we I've said it. I mean, I've said it with both of you, and I've talked with you guys about it, where spring ball is very crucial. I mean, it is Very important. That's, you know, 15 or so practices. You're going to start implementing that new system. I mean, there's no secret. You're you're not just going to throw out your system from last year and say, oh, it's only spring ball. Let's just do 15 practices. No, like Hinshaw is going to be implementing his new system in spring. You're going to have three quarterbacks that for... Unless... Now, I don't know what is going on behind the scenes. I don't know if John Rice has... If Hinshaw has the playbook, like his playbook, and he's given it to John Rice and basically said here, like, study it, I think that's a strong possibility um, because he won't be playing spring ball and saying, listen, you're going to have to learn this and you're going to have to get it beforehand. And I know that's the case, but you're going to have guys running it in spring. And you're it, all of them will not be John Rice Plumley. You're going to have three quarterbacks running the offense. And for better or worse, John Rice is going to be behind heading into the fall. He is not, like, I say it, I don't think he's the starter heading into fall. John Rice will have to earn that starting role with this new offense. Do you think, Rob, and again, this is way too early, but do you think, regardless, John Rice is the starter heading into next year? Because the way I view it, and this is my, even though I do think he is not the starter heading into training camp, Listen, you don't know what you're getting out of Timmy McLean. You really need to be like starstruck by some of the stuff that he does uh, in the practices and in the spring game to say, hey, he's the starter over John Rice, who just started all your games for you last year for the most part. And, and Thomas Castellanos, I think we all agree, talented, but raw. So you need to give him time. I think John Rice still ends up being the starter, even though he will not be the starter going into fall camp do you agree with that assessment or do you think if he's behind in fall camp, most likely he's not getting that starting job regardless?
2: No, I definitely agree. I think John Rice is still probably considered by the staff to be, you know, probably the most probable starter. Um, you know, I think him starting pretty much every game last season, you know, barring injury and the couple games where Mikey King got looks over him. I do think John Rice really is still the quarterback of this team. Um, And, you know, well, it's Darren Hinshaw's playbook and, you know, he's seemingly going to get a lot more power as offensive coordinator. I think Gus still has final say and Gus still has input. And, you know, I think Gus will vouch for John Rice Plumlee. Um, You know, you don't just go a full season going with one guy. And I don't think he was again, I, I don't think he should be the starter, but I don't think he was so horrendous that you're like, no, we can't we can't have him again. Um, you know, at least for the staff, I don't think they look at that and say he was so bad that they can never start him again. So certainly I think, you know, him starting every game last season for the most part, getting a lot of play time being the mainstay quarterback, I think is going to put him a little bit of an inside track. Certainly it's a setback that he's going to play spring ball. I think Gus and staff already knew that he was going to go play baseball. So it's not like it was some shock to them where they're offended that he's choosing to go play baseball. I think they knew what they were getting when he came in as a dual athlete. They knew he was going to go play baseball. So, uh, you know, I I don't think that's really going to be a hindrance towards him as far as them thinking in consideration for where John Rice is heading into fall. I think if anything's a hindrance, yeah, certainly, you know, Timmy McLean, Thomas Castellanos seeing the playbook, uh, before him and and actually utilizing it in action, uh, I think definitely gives them a little bit of an edge. But still, I think going into fall camp, it's John Rice Plumley's, you know, job to lose and Timmy McLean and Thomas Castellanos are gonna get the opportunity of the spring uh to really try to impress and and win over Gus and Darren Henshaw. I think that's really what you're looking at, and they know. Like I said, they know John Rice was going to go play baseball. They knew he wasn't going to get full time with this playbook. Um, I'm sure he's going to be able to study it beforehand. Uh, but as far as putting it in action, yeah, I mean that's certainly a disadvantage for him. But I think it's his job to lose, and they're going to go in up with an open mind. But you know, at the end of the day, I think they have a lot to prove. So Cassianos and McLean have to
1: really win them over with their knowledge of Darren Henshaw's playbook. So I'm looking at the baseball schedule because I wanted to kind of know, have an idea of how long this season actually is. So I know they started practicing or they kind of started getting ready to go for the season last Thursday or two Thursdays ago or something like that. This season starts February 17th, so we're about a couple weeks away from baseball season starting. And it lasts through May 20th. So... You're like we already knew it, but you're definitely not seeing John Rice. John Rice is is full in on baseball, and yes, you're right, Rob. Gus knew that, like clearly, Gus knew that when he recruited him. But especially after last season, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of questions that just needed to be answered. And with John Rice not being on the roster at the time during spring ball, listen. He says Darren Henshaw has free reign. He could he has reign over starting quarterback. We talked about it. If if Henshaw falls in love with Timmy McClain, I'm gonna be honest, I don't see John Rice breaking that love. Now, if John Rice just, you know, just proves wholeheartedly he's the number one guy, yeah, I think you have a year of tape on him last year, but his hindrances show. And Hinshaw clearly saying he wants to air it out. He wants to do some different things. I think that's what makes it more of a competition. But in that same token, I don't know how much of a competition we're actually going to be getting. It's mainly just going to be Hinshaw implementing his offense. John Rice has the playbook. When he gets in the fall, try and figure it out as much as possible in the month and a half you have and roll it out. But also, John Rice goes through May and he only gets a month or two rest. Like, he gets June and July, and then you're going right back to football in August. So, and he didn't play baseball last season. So, he had a lot more rest time before football. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, Before we move on to our next topic, let's talk a little bit about running backs. Obviously, R.J. Harvey clearly probably is RB1 heading into next year. But, there's a couple running backs coming up. Demarcus Bowman, I think, is a guy that we... All are very intrigued by, I mean, one of the, the highest recruit ever to transfer into UCF, right? Was that Clemson? Was that Florida? Nick, I kind of want to ask you, right? We have Jordan McDonald kind of also behind him. He's going to be a stud. You have a guy like DeMarcus Bowman, who by all accounts, obviously going into college, everybody touted him as the next big thing. NFL draft pick potential, right? Right. With R.J. Harvey kind of being that RB1, listen, you don't have a Bowser necessarily this year, right? You don't have that like that we know yet. We don't have that bruiser that can just, you know, pick up two to three yards. A lot of the backs kind of do very similar things. How do you kind of see in the spring Hinshaw potentially using the backs that we have? Because they all are very similar in kind of the stuff that they do.
0: Yeah, I think you want to get as much of a look at Bowman as you can because of kind of the the pedigree that he kind of comes in, being a former five-star guy. Uh, and, you know, the more we kind of... I think he... What was he? Class of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the more you get removed from that, it's a, it, I know it's a little bit of a tricky situation there because I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the chances, but you're so far removed from his class and there's really zero tape to go off of on DeMarcus Bowman, right? But I think because he comes in with that pedigree, you kind of want to see what he can do and give him. Because I think I still think this is RJ's backfield. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean, last year we were kind of screaming in it at the top of our lungs and we wanted to see more of RJ Harvey, especially at the beginning of the year when it really was like the Bowser and Richardson show. And once they got RJ in there, uh, it seemed like the run game had kind of turned itself around. So, I'm not saying that necessarily DeMarcus Bowman is a threat to RJ Harvey by any means, nor should he be. But I still think you want to get a, a good look at that guy because who knows? I mean, he was a five star guy for a reason. He went to Clemson for a reason. There's some talent there. And I think you need to see that because outside, I think behind him, there's a lot of uncertainty. Whereas in past few years, it felt like UCF could roll out RB3, RB4
1: and we could get by with it. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year. Well, and you still have Johnny Richardson, which I think in a new offense, he could really shine. Uh, Jordan McDonald, like he was a redshirt freshman, didn't really play, and I think a lot of people are impressed with him. They keep mentioning his name uh, coming up. So it's just a matter of time before you see these guys, and I think a lot of running backs, listen, we've said, (laughs) this system that we are technically in right now, is very enticing for a running back. You know you're going to get the ball, so it'll be interesting. I think the spring game has a lot of interesting things in it that will be great for us to talk about. Uh, and who knows, out of spring we might have a guy that we're clamoring to be our or, uh, to be QB one out of it. And it, his name might not be John Rice. It might be Thomas. It might be Timmy. And hell, it could be Dylan. Who the hell knows? All right, let's move on. Harris twins. Uh, we've got less than a week before they officially announced their commitment. They were, for those of you who don't know, but I'm sure all of you watching this podcast knows, uh, the Harris Twins were committed to UCF. They're two four-star commitments for the class of 2023. Travis Williams was their main recruiter. They pretty much committed to UCF because Travis Williams was here. Um uh, he was the linebacker's coach. He was a former linebacker. Harris Twins wanted to be learned by him. They liked that bond. It's the same thing with John Walker and Kenny Martin, right? If Kenny Martin went somebody somewhere else, I don't think John Walker's coming here. Well, Arkansas is not even the mix, I guess. It's pretty much UCF and Maryland. They decommitted from us. They said, oh, we're going to go start looking at other places. It quickly got put out that Maryland was pretty much the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, one of our good friends, sidelines UCF, he tweeted out something about basically clamoring to get the Harris twins to come. And I responded, "I don't think they're going to come. You know, don't get your hopes up, UCF fans, because the worst thing in the world is thinking that you're going to get these two highly touted prospects that f- we all know we need linebackers. <laughs> that that is one of the team's biggest needs, and to get two four-star twins to basically." in a couple of years, to be your your two linebackers at the position, it would be huge. Uh, I got a Twitter notification saying that they are visiting UCF this weekend. They are coming to UCF this weekend to take a visit. That's... These coaches' last chance to get them to fully commit to UCF. I don't know why Arkansas is not being considered. Uh, that's actually... It was... Uh, I assumed as soon as they decommitted that they would commit to Arkansas to go to Travis Williams. Clearly, I don't know what the deal is there. But it's between us and Maryland. So, Rob, when you have... First of all, we've watched the Harris Twins. They played in the Under Armour uh, All-American 23. They played in the Polynesian Bowl. And after watching them, I mean, it's clear. I think Michael Harris was the leading tackler. Andrew won MVP in the Polynesian Bowl. So, they've got amazing potential. I mean, Lake Brantley kids, hometown kids. How huge, number one, would it be to get them to stay after their main recruiter left? But also, what does it mean if they do go to Maryland for the linebacker position moving forward? I know we did sign a couple guys, but what does that mean moving forward for UCF and them going into the Big 12?
2: Yeah, I mean, first off, yeah, I mean, just the... You know, just the anticipation of where they're going to go and where they're going to commit ultimately, I think is why, you know, we're interested in this and why most UCF fans are still interested in this is because they did decommit, but they've kept UCF still, you know, in, in commitment interest. Um, you know, they didn't immediately flip to Arkansas. Uh, in fact, it's quite the opposite. They're, you know, looking at Maryland, looking to stay at UCF. You know, they're it's pretty much in between those two, it seems like. So uh, I think it's a bit surprising. You don't really see the situation. Very often, where uh, you know recruits decommit and then are still you know considering where they just decommitted from, Uh, but no, I I think they're big gets. I mean, Andrew is probably the better of the two. Um, They're both very good, though. Both four stars, both highly rated. Uh, Like you said, Sean, local kids. You know, I think everybody when they see twins in a UCF uniform on the football field immediately think Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin. um, You know, just trying to get you know, a fourth of that success that Shakeem and Shaquille did for uh, this program, I think would be uh, great uh, for the Harris twins, but no, I, I, you know, you see the potential there. Andrew Harris looked phenomenal in the Polynesian bowl. They look, both looked pretty good in the all American bowl. And I think they're just both very talented. And so to keep that, you know, sort of that homegrown talent uh, after your defensive coordinator and, you know, really your um, main recruiting guy for some of these guys uh, leaves, I mean, it's still, um, you know, still very, very important to hopefully keep them. And like you said, it's a position of need. I mean, linebacker is one of the weakest points on this team. Um, You know, everybody knows the struggles that this team is going to have. We lost so many guys to the transfer portal to, you know, graduation. um, And I think it really also was a tough blow when Antonio Greer, you know, commits to the program, and everybody gets excited about it, and then he flips to Arkansas. So I think that was a big surprise. I don't think anybody really expected that. And so now UCF is kind of scrambling, saying, "Hey, if we can just retain these two guys, I mean, right there, that hopefully fixes up at least for the next couple years fixes, uh, you know, the linebacker problem." But no, I mean, if they if they do end up deciding to commit to Maryland or elsewhere, you know, aside from UCF. Uh, the staff's going to have to get creative, uh, whether that's hitting the transfer portal still or whether that's just, you know, hoping that the guys that they have on the roster now can really show out in the spring game and, and get locked in ahead of the fall. I think that's very important. But no, listen, it speeds up the process of fixing your linebacker issue when you get these two guys committed. If they don't commit, you're going to have to get creative. So it's really a, you know, potential really, really high for this program or a potential low and, and a potential transition period.
1: Nick, I want to ask you, because first of all, I want to just know, I mean, you've kind of known about the Harris Twins when they were committed. They they committed to us months ago, then decommitted. We kind of just assumed we were out of it, then it gets announced we're in it. I want to ask you more about the Twitter mind game, because one thing I do, like, listen, I'm not talking to these players. I'm sure there are, there are many other UCF insiders that have a much better knowledge on the situation than I do. When I look... When we're in the running for a player, Nick, I go to the player's Twitter. I see what they like. I see what they retweet. And I look at it for about seven days, seven days of likes and retweets. And that, for it usually works 95% of the time, tells me probably where they're going to go because they just start liking a bunch of fans' tweets and stuff from the school they're pretty much going to go to. But this one's weird, Nick. Michael is liking and retweeting a lot of UCF stuff, and Andrew is liking a lot of Maryland. Terp fan stuff. So how do you navigate that as a player, especially a player where you are or in as a school going after a group of twins who are very successful and could be very successful for your program, but also how successful could they be uh, at UCF and do you think they can make a quick impact heading into the Big 12?
0: Yeah. For, I mean, for the first point I, I typically don't, I, I stay away from the social media part of it and, and, and kind of scouring through the likes and uh, all that stuff. I mean, it, cause it, it turns into I me mean, again, very relevant to what I said about Tom, it turns into a very, uh, a, a game of clue. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, that game of clue is sometimes that's all it is. It's just a game and it has really no, there's no definite answer coming from that game that you're trying to figure out. Right. Uh, he could go to UCF or he can go to Maryland. I don't know if the social media part of it uh, really plays a, a role in it. But, I mean, clearly, <clears throat> clearly if they get these guys in here, and I think especially Andrew, if they can get him in there um, in the in the small event that the two of them split up or something like that, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Uh, you want to have – I think Andrew's the big fish here. But to get both of them would be, would be fantastic into that linebacker room because – uh, that's a position that we've seen guys kind of come and go through the portal over the last few years uh, and some big names at that. And I think there is uncertainty there for the future outside of, of Jason Johnson. I think that's a position of need. And those guys coming in uh, with with as highly rated as they are in the country, uh, it's, it would be a much needed talent boost. And if you don't get it, I think kind of like Rob said, you're going to have to get creative and it, it's going to be a little bit difficult. But at the end of the day, if you don't get them, I'm not a greedy man I'm really not you got one four star in this class a top 100 two, two of them two of them actually uh, if you get four three but- if you get four you're, you're just you're sprinkling you're sprinkling so um, it, it won't I don't think it'll be the end of the world if you don't get these two guys even though it would be great.
1: I think the reason we're, and I'm going to be honest, I think the reason we're still in it, and Rob, you brought the point, like it's very rare that somebody decommits and then is still really saying, oh, like I'm still putting you in the mix. It's very rare. Mostly, Most of the time when a player decommits, they're moving on somewhere else. I think the main reason, and I could be wrong, but the main reason they're still saying, huh, we should probably go to UCF, is again, when you look at the back end when you look at our linebacker depth not that much there's not many names that you're basically going to have to fight for a spot over if you go out and you show out you're you're going to be starting in a year or two like and that's it, it's it's basically going to come down to that like you have Cam Moore and Cam Moore has has shown in flashes what he could be at the linebacker position for us but besides that there, there's not anybody that you're like okay this is the next guy up So I think that's probably why we're still in the mix here. And I don't know what I've not looked at Maryland's recruits. I have no idea what they've got going at linebacker, but I can say I'm sure they have much better linebacker depth than we do at this point. If I'm the Harris twins, why not stay home and you could probably play pretty quickly. So like John Walker's playing next year, I'm sure at linebacker, you're going to see some time. Jason Johnson is your, your guy. And then who knows after that? So We will see, we will talk about it next week on Charge On, regardless of where they go. We will bring you that coverage. You'll know beforehand, but we'll dive deeper into all that. Guys, before we go, don't want to talk too much about this. It's just an upsetting upsetting situation uh, for anybody and everybody involved. Uh, We're not going to get into specific details. We're just going to say the straight facts about the situation. But Justin Hodges... Uh, one of UCF's best defenders last year, uh, he was arrested. Uh, he got released from the team. Uh, this happened last week. When you read through the report, guys, it's it's one of those situations where it could have been avoided, right? It could have it could have it been avoided. It didn't need to happen, uh, and that's I think what makes it so upsetting. Is this is a young man who, you know, a lot of people on the team love. It's again a brother to these guys and he made an idiotic, stupid mistake, and he's dealing with the consequences, but it, it's just really sad to see a play. And again, it could have been avoided. That's, I think, the thing that's It's always hard because the situation didn't need to happen. It was something so silly, and you brought certain things to the table that you could have not brought. You, you could have dealt with it a certain way, you didn't need to go to this specific place. You didn't need to do that specific thing, and now it's costing you. You get released from the team, and I hope, I hope he really kind of looks at himself in the mirror. I, I, I don't know, you know, what can be brought upon with charges and stuff like that. I know he was charged with something specific, and there's a minimum jail time. I don't know if they'll, they'll come to an agreement. I have no idea, and I'm not even going to touch it. But it's just a sad situation for everybody. I pray for everybody involved. Um, And I don't know if you guys want to give your thoughts or a a, a couple words, but um, that's just my two cents on the situation. So Rob, Nick, if you guys want to say anything.
0: Yeah, I think similar to how I felt, um, what was it now? Pushing three years when we had uh, Randy Charlton and I believe it was, I don't want to get the names wrong here. So if y'all remember Kind of the inside. I believe it was Randy Charlton. No, was the first one involved. Um, Antoine Collier, uh, and I believe there might have been there might have been. I know there was about four or five guys involved, but I know those are the two names. So I'll just leave it there. Um, Similar to how their whole incident went down in 2020 when they were dismissed from the program right away uh, from them. Josh Heupel. It, It it's just it's sad, you know. It's sad. There's no need to to scream and yell about it and. And use a buzzword to call Justin Hodges. It's just a sad situation because it's still a college kid that had everything in front of him, and you know, clearly from a football standpoint, uh, a very good player for this defense. But obviously, none of that matters anymore, and you know, he's going to have to hopefully learn from this situation. Um, so I'll leave it there with that. I mean, on the, from an on-field standpoint it puts Nikai Martinez into potentially a guaranteed starters role next year. So um, turn negatives into a positive. I think that's it. But yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation all around.
1: Rob, if you want to say a couple things on it.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of what Nick said. I mean, it is sad. Um, You know, you hate to see a young guy throw his pretty much his career away, um, you know, off of a, dumb decision. Um, and I think I think it's sad. I mean, we've seen this before, not just at UCF. We've seen it around college football before where, you know, young guys just get themselves into trouble and it ends up costing them their likely their career. I mean, you know, it's a very good chance he never plays college football again. He's certainly not playing again for UCF. Um, and it's going to be tough. I mean, a guy that was pretty much, you know, you look at the on-field aspect of it. I mean, a guy that was going to be a mainstay on the defense was – pretty much going to be a starter was one of our better players last season. And now, you know, off of that, you know, who knows what he's going to face uh, criminally, you know, who knows what he's going to face after that, you know, is he going to get another chance in college football? You know, what's next for him. And it's just sad. I mean, it's sad when you see a young guy, you know, at that age, just uh, pretty much throw their life away and it's over so soon. I mean, it's something you can't really prepare for the program can't prepare for. And, it just it's a hit. I mean, it's a hit on the the on field product for the team, and it's a it's a hit to his personal life as well. You hate to see it happen, um, you know. But I, I like Nick said. I hope he learns from it. I hope he becomes a better person because of it. And that's that's really all you can hope for the best. I mean, his career at UCF is done, and for him, it's it's time to move forward and you know accept the punishment that may come, and hopefully, he can turn his life around from this. I mean, it's it's again you hate to say, turn your life around at this when he's what, 21, 22. I mean, it's so young and, and having to worry about a turning point like that, but it is what it is at this point. You know, you have to kind of lie in the bed you make for yourself and you know, it, you can only kind of look forward from this.
1: Yeah. Hopefully everything works out for everybody. Hopefully a lot of lessons were learned. Um, but yeah, I, I just sad, just a sad situation. Um, but that's going to do it, guys, for this week's episode of Charge On. Like I said, the last couple weeks, we are just patiently waiting by our computers and by Twitter for the schedule to release. Uh, there, it, it's We are what? It's today. It's January twenty sixth that you are listening to this. We're supposed supposed to get this schedule before the end of the month. That is what was told. So, you could be seeing a episode fairly quickly. An episode twenty six fairly quickly. Before next Thursday's episode, uh, because once the schedule gets released, we're hopping on, we're recording. So, again, patiently waiting for the Big 12 to give us some content. For uh, Rob and Nick, my name is Sean Green. This has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you again when the schedule releases. <laughs>